Morning. Morning. How are you all? Okay, good. Um, I saw a mixture of expressions as I, uh, as I mentioned that. Um, so basically, uh, what's going to happen this morning, we're talking about worship in the real world. Um, I'm going to try and speak for about 50, 55 minutes, then leave a little time. I think we're due to finish at quarter to one. Is that your expectation? Yes. Good. Try and leave a little time for questions, because uh, I, I think that's some of the most interesting parts. Because quite often, it's, I'm really interested to know what you think and the situations that you're facing and your perspectives. So we'll try and do that. Because I think there's so much experience in the room that it's a shame just to hear one person's experience or one person's perspective. Now, I know there's quite a lot of us, so that will be difficult in some ways. But actually, questions quite often will bring it down to earth so that we can really learn from each other. So that's what we're going to do. Um, so it's called Worship in the Real World. I've got a subtitle. Unfortunately, I did bring, I did bring um, a, uh, a Mac that was going to kind of you know, show and, and give you kind of notes and stuff like that. But unfortunately, we're missing a vital cable. So unfortunately, that's not going to work. So you're just going to have to remember and write down if that's all right. Okay, so Worship in the Real World. What is this all about? I kind of had a subtitle, which is Finding the Presence of God Inside and Outside the church. This is a, a subject that is exercising me at the moment. I think we're kind of at an interesting time in terms of the worship side of church at the moment. Uh, many of you will be aware. In fact, I'm sure all of you are uh, aware. And certainly those of you who are of my age or older will know that actually when I, when I was growing up, worship in church was very different from the way it is now. There's been something that has happened over the last 30, 40 years. Anybody noticed? A change at all? Do you remember there was a time when there weren't many people like me standing up saying, you know, I'm a writer. We didn't have many writers, really. We were singing songs that were, you know, older, that were more hymns. We might have a few little ditties that we did. But this kind of explosion of new songs is really only a 40-year-old, would you say? Yeah, 40-year-old phenomenon. And so, you know, and I thank God for what has happened over the last 40 years. Um, you know, I say as somebody who kind of has played a little part in it, I suppose, and, and kind of, you know, have, have benefited from it in a way and, and helped to try and shape it. But I thank God for it, because I remember growing up that actually we didn't have lots of exciting songs. You know, we didn't have the, some of the expressive songs that we had. In fact, I remember growing up in my youth group and the most exciting song we ever sang was Give Me All In My Lamp. <laughs> How many people remember Give Me All In My Lamp? How many people still sing? Give me... Okay, one at the back. Okay. That's right. So I think it's wonderful. Although I think there are some things that we need to notice now about where we're at. And that is a little bit of a sense for me that actually we need to work out why we are doing what we do. And actually maybe bring things into line to be a little more in line with actually where we're at and what is the most appropriate way to worship? I think these things change over time. And I think it's okay to ask these questions. But it's very easy when you get a burst of some kind of a wave of inspired stuff, if you like. Or, you know, something happening in the church. And it's very much part of a renewal movement. Um, but then it can kind of solidify and become, oh no, now this is the way we do it. And I think at that point it's important for us to ask, well, hang on, is, this is not the only way to do it. Why do we do it? Is it really serving what we need to do in terms of worshipping in spirit and truth? So I'm going to be asking some questions and making some challenges this morning. Okay? So be prepared to come on this journey.
with me. Okay, um, so in my writing, I suppose, which is the way I've most kind of focused on trying to feed or trying to make a contribution to the church, I've got a particular perspective. Let me just share, in a sense, personally, what I'm doing at the moment in terms of writing and what is inspiring me and my approach. Are there any writers here, by the way? Anybody who is writing songs in church for church? <coughs> sort of half-hearted hands. Any? Oh, yeah. Cool. Great. Okay, couple. That's great. Um, I, I'm aware that if you're not a writer, that doesn't mean that this is not relevant to you because you're choosing the songs quite often if you're involved in uh, leading worship in a way. Um, so it's important for you to have an, under, have an understanding of what we're trying to do. Um, so... If I was kind of to reduce it to four things, if you like, of what I do. First of all, one of the things I try and do in writing songs is point people, point us towards the character of God. So whether I'm writing a song or choosing a song, I'm trying to point people towards the character of God, who he is, what he has done, uh, who we are in him because of what he has done. So that's the first thing. So it's a kind of declaration or reminder of who God is. The second thing I'm trying to do is to enable us to express our response to that truth. So we declare who he is and then we provide a musical, quite often, opportunity to respond to that. Does that make sense? You see those two aspects of it. Okay. And that is, I suppose, something we're quite familiar with. Quite often, I think, we turn to the old hymns for more declaration. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light and accessible, hid from our eyes. And then we have kind of the more responsive, quite often more modern songs that are, you know, Lord, I love you. And we kind of respond to him. So we're aware of that. And for many churches, that's as far as it goes. That's what the musical side of worship is about. But I'm also trying to do something else, which I think is important to utilise what music is about. And this is, I suppose, just slightly different. Okay, the third thing is that I'm trying to do. So we've got declaration, response. The third thing is I'm trying to remind people and actually teach people the truths of the gospel through what I write. So I'm looking to kind of understand who... God is and what he's done, but kind of express that in a way that people will be able to get hold of and remember. Okay, so that's important. I'll say a little more about that in a second. And the fourth thing I'm trying to do is I'm actually trying to, from time to time, put into music the stories of the Bible. Narrative. Okay, so last night, if you were there, we sang The Power of the Cross. Power of the, uh, Power of the Cross is a narrative song. It describes what Jesus did on that final day what happened on that final day so we sing a narrative song so those are four things okay so let me just take those apart a little bit so you understand so first of all songs that describe god i think and i'm alerting you to this so that you look for more of them and those of you who write write more of them considering how many new songs come into the church i mean there's more songs being written now probably worship songs than have ever been written in the history of the world i mean it's just massive because there's more places. And that's a wonderful thing. But it's, I do think it's strange that given that explosion of songwriting, how few songs, when you look at them, actually devote a lot of attention to the character of God. We have a few. 
we have a whole load that are actually more about number two, which is our response, but not many that really explore the character of God. I think we need more immortal, invisible type songs. I don't know if you've noticed that or if you agree with that. I think it's changing a little bit. I think there's more content about God coming into songs. But I think for a long time, we were quite happy, certainly in parts of the church, just to sing, Lord, I love you and I feel like dancing. Now, is that a God-focused worship time? It's an aspect of it, but it's not complete. Can you see what I'm saying? And I think that's one of the areas where we can and not quite got it right. So we need more of that. So I want to challenge people. Because one of the reasons is that actually, if we're trying to teach people, um, which is my third point, is actually um, we want people to remember songs. And, and, And songs are a great way of learning theology. In fact, I would say more people learn their theology. Theology is just who God is. They learn their theology more through songs than they do through sermons. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying that's that's the case. If you don't believe me, next time you're in a church service, at the end of the service, stand near the exit and just notice as people go by. If they're going out humming the tunes or reciting the sermon. (laughs) They tend to hum the tunes so they remember the words that go with it. So I'm being slightly facetious, but you understand what I'm saying. This is an important role when we're choosing songs and hymns, because actually we're feeding the congregations. We're helping them to understand who God is. Now that presents a really interesting question for me. And I would challenge all of you who choose songs and hymns in your church, think about the songs and hymns that you use regularly, or maybe the songs and hymns that you've used over the last three months in church. What kind of a picture have you painted of God through the songs that you've chosen? It's a worthwhile exercise to do that, actually. Because I think what we might find is we'll go, yeah, well, we speak about his faithfulness and his love and his goodness. Actually, we never speak about his justice. We never sing specifically about his compassion for the needy. Do you know what I mean? It's like when we begin to drill down, you go, I sometimes imagine, it's kind of my weird imagination that, you know, um, if, you know, aliens came from outer space and came down and actually listened to the songs that we were singing and going, we want to understand this race's religion or this people's religion. What picture would they get of our God? Do we paint a big picture of who God is? Or do we only paint a very narrow picture because that's what we enjoy singing about in our songs? Does that make sense to people? So that's a challenge because I don't think we sing broadly enough or deeply enough about who God is. So that's my first challenge in a way to you. Okay, so songs that describe God is the first thing. Okay, second thing then is find, uh, it's the response thing. Find, we're finding with our songs, uh, whether we write them or choose them, um, to find music and lyrics that appropriately stir and express a response to God's goodness. But I do find that what we need to do, that one and two go together. We express the goodness, we express who God is and his character, and then we respond. A lot of the best songs actually do this mixture of objective and subjective. So, for example, um, okay, uh, 
light of the world. Here I am to worship. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Okay? Open my eyes, maybe see salvation. Okay? Beauty that made this heart joy. Um, king of all days, what is it? Oh, so highly exalted. Um, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created. All for love's sake became poor. Statement of what Jesus has done. Chorus. So, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're God. See what I'm saying? You need the verse to respond with the chorus. It's the objective and subjective. Declaration and response. It's not a new thing. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hand has made. I see the stars. I hear the mighty thunder. Then it goes on, you know, the trees and the... The birds sing sweetly in the trees and all this, you know, and God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die. Response, chorus, then sings my soul, my saviour God to me. If you just started with, then sings my soul, my saviour God to me, how great thou art. It might be true, but you've not fed your mind the truth of who God is in order to respond. An important principle in the way that we worship is we, we realise we have a deeper understanding through the songs of who God is, and therefore we respond. Okay? So, those are the first two. I'm unpacking those two. Sorry, I wish I had visuals so you could see where I'm going. I'm trying to keep you kind of in, you know, keep you abreast of what, where we're going. So, okay, objective, subjective. The third thing is this teaching and reminding thing, okay, which is similar to the first thing. But actually then I think we should be looking at songs that actually help us in our daily lives, not just help us in the kind of big picture. So I've been trying to write a few more songs. I wrote a song with, with Keith Getty that's called um, From the Breaking of the Dawn. I will stand on every promise of your word. And kind of specifically did the lyrics to say, when I stumble and I sin, condemnation tre- uh, pressing in, I will stand on every promise of your word. You are faithful to forgive that in freedom I might live. So I stand on every promise of your word. Guilt to innocence restored, you remember sins no more. So I stand on every promise of your word. Then the next verse says, when I'm, uh, what is it? Something, when uh, when I'm faced with anguish choice, I will listen for your voice and I'll stand on every promise of your word. So it's kind of like, you know, I, I kind of think looking at songs, choosing songs that don't just help me have an experience on Sunday, but will help me on Tuesday afternoon when I've got a difficult decision to make. It's useful to have a song like that. Because when you're faced with that thing, or you're under pressure somehow, or you've just blown it, and you said something you knew you shouldn't, and you just feel really condemned. At that point, a song coming into your head that just says, Lord, I love you, actually doesn't really cut it. But a song that says, no, 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 he's faithful to forgive. Can you see how songs going on in the background of our minds, okay, in the MP3 recorders, in the Spotify of our minds, just to bring it right up to date, um, will help us in terms of the way that we live. Now, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? We're not just trying to help people have a nice experience on Sunday. We're, help, we're trying to help them live a life that is pleasing to God and that has a God-focused by the, uh, God-focused by the songs that we sing. I think that's quite exciting. Do you think? Hello? Yeah, Good. <laughs> Okay, so that's, the, so that's the third thing. Are you with me so far? Not lost any of you. Okay, good. Okay, so the fourth thing, do you remember what the fourth thing was? This memory? Narrative. Story songs. 
Now, why are story songs important? Well, there's a number of reasons. First of all, we tend to assume that most of our congregations know the story, the, the stories that are in the Bible, especially, I suppose, the stories of Jesus. I don't think these days that's necessarily true. I think in Northern Ireland it's probably more true than it would be, say, where, where I live in England, because we're more post-Christian in many ways. Um, but actually, lots of people, either because they become Christians or whatever, or they just were never taught it, or they never read their Bibles. I mean, you know, a lot of us, actually growing up, probably actually sang story songs, but we only tend to have story songs for kids. What, you know, generally, I think until recently, actually until, I suppose, you know, I, I, we started banging the drum, I suppose, about it. We're actually getting a few more story songs that actually talk about what actually happened. But yeah, I mean, we learnt, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know if it's the same as what I learnt, but, you know, I know the story of Zacchaeus because we used to sing... Now Zacchaeus was a very little man, and a very little man was he. He, was it for the saving? <laughs> okay, we won't, no, we're not going to sing it. Don't sing it. <laughs> what about this one? Oh, hang on. The wise, you're good. The wise man built his house upon the rock, okay? It's a story that Jesus told. So I've been trying to do that a little more. I wrote a, I, I kind of set myself the aim of, um, I think one of the albums, wrote a song about money. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great to write a worship song about money? And actually Jesus' teaching on money. So, um, so you know, kind of did some stuff about, you know, so there's got lines in it like, you know, um, what's it? Uh, not, not what you give, but what you keep is what the king is counting. You know, songs that actually go, actually challenges, because we need challenging. In this, you know, in our culture, the big issue that's difficult for us as Christians may not be food to idols or whatever. The big question is consumerism, materialism, how we balance that with, the, with what God calls us to. And that's a real challenge, isn't it? Don't you think? Consumerism is really difficult because it's all kind of pervasive. You know, we, I won't get into it, but you know, it, I think it is a massive issue. So we need to be singing about how we are distinctly different, how we follow Christ in the middle of a very consumerist culture. So we need to be reminded of the stories and learn the stories. And songs is a great way of doing it. Another reason songs are really, really, uh, narrative songs are really, really important is they remind us that the core, the basic, the foundation of our faith is the life of Jesus who lived on earth. We are actually, when we sing those songs, we're singing history. I think that's really important right now. I don't know about you, I, I have... I have quite a lot of friends who aren't Christians at all. And they tend to fall into one of two categories. The first category is those who are still in that sort of, um, sort of very, I don't know, very, very modernist thinking, which is how can you believe all these silly fairy stories about Jesus and stuff? It's like, you know, fairies at the bottom of the garden and stuff like that. They, they just think it's like that. And they really, and when I was at university, however many, 30 years ago, that was the pervasive thing. It's like they're going, I'm a reasonable person. I can't believe this nonsense. The culture has changed now because actually, certainly where I live, people have got more of a spiritual perspective because they found that the purely modernist, materialist way of thinking actually doesn't cut it for them in their lives. So instead of some of the people whose reaction is, Oh, you don't believe all that nonsense, do you? The reaction I get um, from other people when they know I'm a Christian is they go, that's nice. <laughs> if that works for you, great. 
keep it. You know, if you've got, that's great. I'm really pleased to hear that that works for you. I don't need that. I don't believe that. I believe that there's, you know, an all-powerful force in the universe, but it's not personified or whatever. Or I just believe in a spirituality of quietness or contemplation, whatever. But they kind of go, it's a different attitude, isn't it? From the one that kind of goes, you know, so it's a different kind of spirituality. As if, basically, they're going, oh, that's nice. So you've got a God up there who listens to you. Good, oh, that's nice. And, you know, you talk to him, and that's, you know, really good. I'm glad that works. That's not the, that's not the foundation of the Christian faith. The foundation of the Christian faith is not this kind of thing works for us. The foundation of the Christian faith is there is Christ, the historical Christ, who said and did things that challenge us all. Okay, did he come from God? If he came from God, we need to change and we need to follow him because he has the answers. He has the words of eternal life. And that's history. That's why we need to sing history to remind ourselves that's the foundation of the faith. Are you with me? Okay, great. Okay, so we need more narrative songs. So with those four things, which are the kind of core things... I want to look at, and then just want to go on to, to something else that I think is really important. I think there are two dangers, and this is the kind of introduction to the, to the second part of what I want to do. Okay. The second part of what, what I want to do is for us to think about, uh, well, I've gone to the second part, but there are two dangers, I think, in our current practice. One is that, and I feel this as a worship leader quite often, that I can too easily get sucked into providing a particular kind of experience for uh, churchgoers on a Sunday that will make them go out going, oh, that was nice. I really felt, you know, it's really lovely being, you know, singing these lovely songs of, you know, joy and love to God and actually just focus on the experience of worship. There's a danger that actually we just focus in on that. I think there was a time when I was going to, to lots of... Uh, Worship seminars and things. And people, I'd hear there's a, there was a school of thought that just went, worship is all about intimacy. So it really was, you know, really the goal of it. And, and songs would be aimed towards, you'd start big with your big songs, big celebrations, and you'd go more and more to this kind of intimacy where you had a sort of a, a, a strong, wonderful experience of loving God and being loved by God. Now, I'm not knocking that's really good, but that's not the only reason that we gather. That's not the only reason we sing songs. There are other things to do. And we can get so focused or dragged into that that we don't think about the other things. Teaching. Narrative. Who God is. God actually is not... There's a danger that actually we can reduce our understanding of who God is because basically... That alien who comes and looks at us may be thinking, oh, this God is basically just around to make these people feel nice. We've reduced him at that. He's so much bigger than us. Okay? The aim of, of God and his spirit being present among us is not for us to go, oh, that was nice. There may be times when it's like that. But actually, it's much bigger than that. He is so much bigger than us and we mustn't lose that perspective. That's why sometimes we just need to kind of Use our minds to try and grapple the great unknowable of who God is, revealed in Christ, um, and actually for our minds to be blown by that, rather than just for us to be just for worship to serve us. You understand where I'm getting? I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not taking a pop at things because I think what we've got 
some of what we've got is great, but we've narrowed it too much. That actually that's what we're really looking for. Um, so we need to actually expand what we do. So that's one of the dangers, okay, is becoming too focused on a particular kind of experience that gives us nice feelings. But there's a second thing that I want to look at, and this kind of uh, opens up into... Um, I'm just going to sit on this desk. Oh. Um, and that is that we, we effectively, when we do sing the songs we do, and it's part of the, the, the whole kind of church experience, if you like, we can effectively create um, an alternative universe through our songs and through our services generally, which becomes increasingly disconnected from our real lives. Some people would describe this as a kind of dualism. Um, so let me, let me kind of give you an ex- example, and, and maybe then you'll, you'll kind of understand what I mean about this kind of disconnect, and, and where we kind of are one kind of person in the church and another kind of person out. When I think about our services quite, uh, quite often, I think they can be really wonderful, positive experiences. We're with the family of God, we've got relationships, and that's really lovely, and we should celebrate that. And people will come up and talk about, maybe give a testimony. And they'll say, I was like this and really struggling, or I was ill, or I was really difficult. And God helped me. And God worked in me. And now I'm healed, or now I'm better. And we we celebrate that. And so, and with the songs we sing, we paint this picture Um, quite often of who God is or how we are with him that is a really, really positive thing. And that is a wonderful thing, and that's part of of it. But we really can go away from that feeling, for example, hearing somebody's testimony that they got healed. And we're sitting there going, that's wonderful. That didn't happen for me. I've still got my long-term problem. Nothing has changed there. And we can get to a point where we find it hard to say that because the culture is, no, God is the healer. And so actually, we go with a lot of repressed. And actually, we develop a certain kind of sense of, well, maybe God doesn't do that kind of thing for me. Maybe, maybe even he doesn't really notice Oh, love me. All these other people have got all these great testimonies. And here I am, still struggling with the same thing. And so that can be a very powerful negative thing because we have a kind of an, we create slightly an alternative universe by in our church situations. Are you understanding what I'm meaning here? And so we can be encouraged by the Sundays, but actually find that actually it, there's a disconnect because we go home and we've still got the same problems. We've still got the same things. We still have unanswered prayer. And so we kind of feel we live these two, you know, it, as we continue like that, we live these kind of two kinds of lives. One where we go and we're really positive and don't admit to our issues or things that are going on. And the other where actually we're confronted by issues outside of the church. And our lives outside are very different. I see a Jesus who actually didn't have those two kind of things. He actually broke the barriers of all those. And I would like to see us break the barriers in the same way. And I want to go on to kind of explain how I think that should happen. 
But first, let me give you if, you, if you're writing down stuff, let me give you my considered definition of what worship is. I always go to conferences and I hear millions of different interpretations of what this is what worship is, biblical worship is. But this is mine. I'm contributing to that mass of definitions. But it might help you to, to understand where I'm going with this. Okay? My own definition is worship is the heart's response to the goodness of God in the breadth of human experience. Worship is the heart's response to the goodness of God. Here's the key thing. In the breadth of human experience. Not just the good times, but the tough times too. Finding God in those. And that's part of what we should be doing in our church services. So what I'm not suggesting is that Every service becomes a really depressing experience of really going, you know, mulling over how awful life is and how tough things are and stuff like that. Um, But we are, because we are to see all these things in the goodness of God, but we recognise those things. It's a really interesting thing. I I did a tour. I don't know if anybody, were any of you at the tour that we just did in, in, around the place? Okay, a handful of you. Cool. Thank you for coming. Um, and we did a tour, and it's actually called the Courage Tour, because I've done an album uh, called Courage, which is actually about the courage to be vulnerable. And during these concerts, we talk about, I talk about uh, my own experience of loss, because my brother died of cancer two years ago. And a song came out of that, actually, that we recorded on the album. Um, and it's a kind of lament song. We were going to do it last night, actually, but the way things worked out, there wasn't time to be able to do it. We did something different instead. But it is a kind of lament song. And um, so it really is about my experience of coming to terms with or, you know, my initial reaction of trying to solve this problem of my brother's illness and just going through and his own experience of it and stuff. So it's a kind of a deep song of, of lament. Um, and later in, the, in our concert, uh, my daughter Emma uh, sings a song about being here for each other. But actually, she, before that, she, she prefaces it with some own description of her own struggles with mental health and names some of the things to do with depression and, and that people experience generally about expression, schizophrenia, um, uh, and, and various things, and her own experience of, uh, of uh, you know, an, uh, an area of that. And it's so interesting, when that's vocalised in church, the number of people who come up and go, people don't talk about this in my church. I don't feel I can talk to people about it in my church. And I think, why is that? And I don't think we mean it. I don't think we're trying to squeeze it out. But somehow, we haven't created the context where people can really be vulnerable with one another. And yet being vulnerable with one another is a key, is the key to deeper relationships. I actually think it's the key to evangelism because I think there's people outside of the church who are looking for a place they can be. The tragedy is most people would think the church would be the last place that they would go to look for acceptance. Because they don't see church as a place where the welcome of God is there. That's why we did that song, I think on the Saturday night of the Vagabond song. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a massive issue and, and really 
you know, and there's complexities in it. But actually, I think it's really important for us to understand that actually church should be the place where we can be who we are, the place where we can know acceptance, irrespective of what we're going through, and actually know that people are saying, I'm with you on your journey. I'm with you on your journey. Okay? So, where am I going with this? Well, the first thing is, okay, I would like to do, in terms of practice, what this means is, first of all, I would like us to have more songs and sing more songs that reflect the true true nature of life. We bring the real world into our services. Okay? So we sing about joys and sorrows. Okay? Because we we love singing about joy. We don't really love singing about sorrow. Okay? But that sorrow is part of the human condition. Have you noticed? Sorrow is part of your human condition. Okay? Certainty and uncertainty. Faith and doubt is part of the human condition. Contentment and longing are both part of the human condition. We, we, we have experiences of contentment, but we also have experiences of longing. Wishing things were different. Wishing the world was different. Peace and dissatisfaction. See, I think that's interesting because we say, you know, Jesus is our peace and therefore, you know, we know peace in our lives. We do, but we also know dissatisfaction because the world is still the way it is and we are still the way that we are. Peace will come one day, but that's a future hope. So at the moment, what happens for us now in our human experience, we experience peace and dissatisfaction. I'm saying we should sing about both, not just one, because that's part of the human condition. You may be thinking, he's gone totally off-piste here. What is he talking about? How can we sing songs about all these other things? We should be singing about the goodness of God. Okay? Of course we should be singing about the goodness of God, but in the perspective of the human condition. Have I got any evidence that this is the right thing to do? Yes. There's a book in the Bible called the Psalms. Ever read the Psalms? They're not all joyful. Some of them actually are full of pain. Some of them are very confusing. I, um, just as an aside, uh, one of my favourite psalms, one of my favourite psalms, I don't have time to show you this, um, is Psalm 139. Lord, you have searched me, you know me. You know when I sit and when I stand. You perceive my thoughts from afar. If I rise up to the heavens, you're there. If I'm down in the depths, you're there. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. It's a beautiful psalm for songwriters. So much content, so much wonderful stuff that you might want to say. Just think, oh yeah, just need to turn this into a, into a song. You look at the whole psalm, it does that wonderful thing, and then it says this. Halfway, halfway through all this beautiful, fearfully and wonderfully made, you saw me in my mother's womb, etc., etc., it then goes, oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. <laughs> Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. Do I not hate those who hate you? And it goes on like this for a while. And then it says, O oh Lord, search me, know my heart. Know if there is any way, wicked way within me. So basically, to, to kind of like pre-see that psalm, it says, Lord, you're everywhere and you made me, you know me. I'd like you to kill some people. <laughs> That's what it says. 
And if I've got any wrong attitudes or thoughts, you will let me know, won't you? <laughs> that is a confusing psalm for me. And it's interesting to kind of think, why, you know, was that a mistake? Was that a typo? Was that a, an editing error? Or is it supposed to be there? And what does that say? I'm not going to get into why, because I'm quite familiar here for what that is. But you understand what I mean. He is actually then grappling with, he's going, this is amazing to think about that. But look at the world, look at the way that people think about God. It makes me so mad. That's what his song says. Then he goes, hey, I want to stay pure, God. I want to stay pure. So help me. Because I've got these competing things. Lots of the Psalms do that. They seem to be saying, I'd love that there are Psalms that kind of go, Lord, why are you so far away? Why do you seem like you have forgotten all about me? But I know you are faithful. But then this happens, and it seems like nothing can rectify it. But I know that you love me. And he's kind of like, you know, and quite often it's not resolved. You're kind of going, there isn't a resolution here. This is what life is like. And so these psalms actually are expressing something. I think we should use that as our guiding light in terms of the kind of way that we approach the, the, you know, the, the songs that we sing and our attitude to understand. Bringing the reality of the human condition into uh, into our church so that it becomes a reality. But the whole time, shining the light of God's goodness on it. Do you understand what I mean? It's not just despair. It's going, Lord, but you, I know that you are like this. But it's so hard. And that's not just in our personal condition. Okay? You know, I'm thinking, what about Syria? Why is it, you know, why is there so much injustice? Why are innocent people being bombed? Do you know what? We should sing angry songs about the way that the world is. We should be singing, it's not right, God. That would be a good chorus. It's not right, God. Do something. Okay, I thought of that first. I'm going to write something. <laughs> that. Okay, just a, don't you nick that. <laughs> the shootings at the weekend. You just go, oh. But that's not separate from what God is. That's not separate from our church. That's not, oh, let's forget about that for a while and have a nice time. Actually, that is part of the world we live in, which actually, what does God think about that? Where does God fit into that? That's part of the challenge we have. Okay. I often think about that passage of Scripture that says um, we should weep with those who weep and that when one part of the body suffers, we all should. So there's always that sense of, you know, even when we're having a great time as a church, there should be that sense of longing that there are places, actually, where Christians are struggling. And I feel it. You know, we should feel it. We should go, man, that's painful. So we bring the real world into our services. Does that make sense? And it's a kind of radical thought, and, you know, kind of work out how we do it. But actually, I think we start by writing different kinds of songs that say something. And I've had attempts at various points. I wrote a song called How Long a few years ago, which is actually... Um, describes a whole load of things you know we um of pain and stuff and it says how long as one of the psalms does um you know before you know you, you drench the barren land how long and then there's a, a verse at the end that says but i know a day is coming when the deaf will hear his voice when the blind will see their savior and the lame will leap for joy when the widow finds a husband who will always love his bride and the orphan finds a father who will never leave her side there is a day coming but right now this is what we're in and so we hold that tension. I don't feel that tension enough in our church. 
But I think when we do that, God actually becomes, our understanding of God and how all this works fits becomes better. We're not having to pretend to not see certain things in order to keep our image of, you know, how good things should be. Does that make sense? So that's the, that's, I suppose, part of, of uh, what we do. We bring the real world into our services. But we also, and this is the second part of it, we bring the hope of Christ into the real world. We sing songs that equip us. And this is going back to that thing I talked about, the kind of point three of those four, if you remember. We sing songs that equip us to shine the light of Christ in who we are day by day. Songs that remind us to care for people. Songs that remind us to be really present with people. Songs that remind us of his promises, like that song I was, I was trying to write. Songs that teach us patience and compassion. Songs that help us resist some of society's idols of you know, personal gain, selfishness, of just looking after me and mine. As Rosario was talking about, you know, where you can just you can just be insular and just go, well, I'm looking after my lot. And that's not what Christ calls us to do. I think when we get this perspective, it begins to break down some of the walls that exist in our minds between church and the world. And I think the effect of that is not only do we bring a sense of reality into our services, but we begin to recognise that actually God's presence is with us wherever we go. And so that worship isn't just something that happens for 20 minutes or 30 minutes in church on a Sunday. It's something that is indicative of the whole of our lives, the whole breadth of human experience. And we begin to recognise that God is just as close right now and he'll be just as close this evening as he was in the church service. We might have been more aware of him because we were singing songs about him and we were emotionally moved by those songs, but he's just as present now. He's speaking just as much now as he was then. He's just as concerned. He's just as close. And so when we break down those words, I, I think Jesus was amazing at this because first of all, he'd go into religious situations and basically put the cat among the pigeons <coughs> by saying something or doing something and all the religious authorities were going, what is he doing? And he would just break it and just go, well, you're hypocrites. That's the problem. So you're saying you're doing this but actually, secretly you're doing that right in the middle of religion, religious situations. And, you know, breaking up some of the kind of ritual things. Um, but at the same time, then he'd be sitting on a hill with his, with his uh, disciples going, see the birds in the air? God looks after them. Can you see? Actually, God is concerned in this right now. He's looking after them. You're all worrying about all this stuff. But actually, he's here right now looking after us. He cares. None of these birds fall without him knowing about it. See the birds in the air. Consider the trees of the field. And so he's kind of, he's aware, there's that sense of, there's no kind of sense of, oh, Jesus has gone to church now. <laughs> and then comes out and goes, okay, phew, because that's over. Okay, there's a kind of consistency in all that. Okay. And I think probably this, doing this, this um, kind of process of uh, perhaps doing this, I brought some of these albums out, which I am allowed to sell here. 
I've discovered, because I brought them last night, because they said, oh, bring some CDs to sell last night, but I forgot to, I didn't get a chance to mention it. But uh, the, the Courage album is here, if you're interested in those songs and exploring some of that. Um, but basically, those are the kind of the two aspects that I want us to think about. I'd love you to go away and think a little bit more about this. How can actually we bring the reality of what it means to, uh, to, of what it means to be the human condition, if you like, you know, with, with all its good and bad points, in the context of when we gather together so that we can laugh together and cry together so that we can um, know the peace of God together and get really cross together about the way some things are because we need to but that also we become more aware of who he is in our daily lives through and I think songs is the bridge songs can do this because we take songs with us so I think what we sing has got an important part to play in this. So I feel that sense of responsibility. I think, gosh, I need to write more angry songs. I've not been very good at angry songs. But actually, I think we need a few. Whether anybody will sing them, I don't know. But I'm going to you know, try anyway and write and see what happens. Um, because actually, that's part of what we need to, to be doing. So let me just conclude. How are we doing? Okay, we're doing all right for time. Because I'd like to leave a bit of time for, um, for questions and things. Um, so it's time for a rethink of our understanding and practice. Okay. I think we need to broaden our understanding of what the presence of God is like. The presence of God just doesn't come in nice woolly feelings. The presence of God actually is here right now. It comes in, when you're angry, you're in the presence of God. Because he's a God who hates injustice. So we need to rethink. As I say, music can, can bridge that gap. And uh, so I want us to do that. So I, I, just a few practical things for us to finish. And then we'll, we'll actually might have a chance for like 10 minutes of questions, which would be really good. Um, and these are, this is more general stuff, but this is kind of, um, in a sense, doing conclusions. A few practical things. And I, I always kind of want to say this to people. And this applies not just to those who are choosing songs or hymns or writing songs or hymns. What does it mean when we gather? Um, First of all, when we come and gather and we're singing together, come with a heart prepared to receive. Okay. So many people I find, they, they can discount themselves from receiving from God. Um, God is always ready to give to those who want to receive. And I often look out, like last night and the night before, I look out and going, are we ready to receive? Because he's here. Are we ready to receive whatever it is he wants to say to us? We can kind of just come and just kind of go, oh, yeah, well, I like the music, but not actually engage. Remember, worship, my definition of worship, the heart's response to the goodness of God. It's a heart's response. Okay. Um, I wrote a, a line in a, a song. I suppose most of the things that I kind of think, I've got anything to say, I usually try and say it in a song. That's why I'm quoting songs, <laughs> because that's where I tend to kind of like... Um, and, and many people discount myself. I, you know, I'm sure you've had this experience. I've, I've met people uh, down the years in my life who I go, oh, yeah, oh, I'm seen you at church for ages. And they go, yeah, well, there's, just, there's a lot to sort out. I need to get my life sorted out a little bit before I come back to church. And I want to go, no, no, that's not how it works. If you're really messed up, come to church. Because come to God and then he can start sorting out. We discount ourselves because we go, oh, actually, what we're going is, I'm not in the right place for God to deal with me. 
because you're in the right place. Whatever position you're in, that's the place to come to God. Because then it's his work that he does. Okay. And I wrote in a song, sorry, I was going to say, which I, you know, I kind of used. It was on a, a song called Paths of Grace. And it's a phrase that I quite liked because I thought it, it was kind of helpful. And it says, it's talking about, about coming to God. And it says, it's not where you are, it's the way you face. Okay? It's not where you are, it's the way you face. It's not your position, it's your attitude. So you could have thoroughly screwed up this week. If you turn to him, he will welcome you with open arms. Okay. Similarly, you know, we don't earn by being really good. We don't go, oh, God doesn't go, oh, now come in. You deserve it. You deserve a little bit of love. That's not how it works. Okay. It's not where you are. It's the way you face. So come with a heart ready to receive. Secondly, when we're singing songs, think about the songs. Think about the words of the songs. It's very easy for them to wash over. That's why I think it's good that we have lots of new songs coming through. Because we just get familiar with stuff. And it just sort of, we just kind of repeat them. And uh, we kind of get, inu- get kind of resistant to what they mean. Because it's hard once you've heard things and sung things so many times. But thirdly, be prepared for God to speak to you. I, I'm firmly convinced that God speaks more than we listen. And I often am thinking, actually, sometimes, you know, in our services, we just need to shut up and listen. Because we're just a bit worried about not having anything happening. We're a bit worried about the silence. But actually, in the silence, I think often God speaks when the heart is still and not preoccupied with something else. And that's true in our daily lives as well as, as I'm sure many of us have found, as well as in our church services. Okay. So that's the third thing. Fourth thing, I'm just running through these and then we'll do questions. We need songs of joy, but we also need songs of lament. Songs that express trouble and question, uh, our troubles and our questions. And then what does it mean for the rest of our lives? Uh, becoming more God conscious. Becoming more aware of, of his closeness to us. That he is here. That he is close to us. That actually he wants to be involved. And the only reason quite often we don't uh, find him is because we're not aware of him. Not because he's not there. And be prepared for God to speak through people and speak anywhere. I, whenever I kind of remind myself of this, I kind of find, actually, do you know what? It feels like there's a guiding light in my life. Because I'm hearing things of people and go, that really fits with, I think God's saying something. I think God is leading me. Have you ever had that, that feeling? That sense? And it's actually, I think it's happening a lot, but we just don't listen. And we need to listen more and recognise where it is. Okay, I've covered quite a lot. You've done really well being attentive with no visuals to be able to kind of get the structure of it. Let me just, uh, uh, I will kind of open it up if there are any things that people want to make. A comment, if you want to disagree, that's always fun. I really like that. Or you want to ask a question. And I, I, you can ask a question more broadly, more generally, to do with worship than, than just what I've been talking about. But is there any things that people want to contribute or... Keep it very short because I've got to repeat what you say and put it onto the um, onto the recording. Anything? Yeah, that's really good. So that's uh, so that's mercy, mercy me, and the song is called Even If. So it's saying that I know you can take this. I know you can take this pain away, but even if you don't, you're still. I, yeah, yeah, uh, and that is a really, really powerful thing. It's slightly reminiscent of that Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego thing, isn't it? It's like God's going to protect us from the flames, but even if He doesn't, He's still God. So, and that's really powerful. And it's a, but that's a tough walk. 
I mean, it is. And that's the point. I mean, I mentioned last night when we were doing the song that actually a girl who'd been involved in it is a 27-year-old who's in her last days. And it's, it's painful. It really is tragic. And, you know, she shared with me some things actually just even yesterday about, you know, how afraid she is. And you just go, and I can't do anything about this. And God, why are you not doing anything? And I just don't, you know, I don't get it. I just don't get it. But then you go, but I know, you know, that's when it really actually matters. That's when we really are walking that thing of going, God, you could do this. But I'm not going to, you know, and I'm actually going to get a bit angry with you as well. Um, But, you know, because, and that's part of the process. It's part of the process. Um, But you are still God and your ways are higher than mine. You know, and I wish you did it my way, but you don't. But thank you for that. It's amazing. Any other things that people... Anything else? Any other comment? Anybody want to thoroughly disagree? Oh, no. There you go. Do the songs that we sing need to be congregational? I, I think there, that's where the lack is. I, and I think that quite often will happen, is that... The, that uh, this is slightly sort of stereotyping. The happy songs we all sing and the sad songs and individual songs. I actually think we should all sing the sad songs. So I think we do need congregational songs that explore the broader thing rather than just the performance songs. I think... I, I remember um, years ago when I was first kind of setting out in, in, in this kind of thing that... Um, that if you wrote a song that said, Lord, I'm so happy and I feel like dancing, that was fine to use, even though you knew that a large part of the congregation would go, I actually don't feel happy and I don't feel like dancing. But it wasn't okay to say, I feel really depressed and I you know, feel really under the weather right now and uh, you know, life is confusing. It wasn't okay to sing that song, even though there were some people in the congregation who were exactly feeling that, because it might affect the ones who... <laughs> didn't feel that way do you see what I mean so it was alright to pretend that everybody was happy but it wasn't alright to pretend that everybody was going through a hard time and you kind of go no 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 we all need to share this experience because we all weep and we all mourn as well as we all have joy with the breadth of the human experience so yes it's con- I think it's congregation songs and there is a power in putting words into people's mouths I mean that's the thing that always bowls me over the, the thing that I found myself doing is you're not only writing songs that you sing to people you're writing songs and you're putting words in people's mouths. That's an awesome responsibility and sometimes gets quite scary for me. Um, but actually, you know, when people, when it's in your, when you say it <laughs> or sing it, there's a, there's a power in that, that just listening to it isn't quite the same. I mean, sometimes it is good to listen, just to listen to stuff. But I think sometimes we need to, to sing it and say it as well. Yes? Repeating the song maybe three times over. Right. What's your feelings about that? Okay. There's a trend of of repeating songs three times over. (laughs) Um, It it would be hard to make a hard and fast rule about that. I think there are times when... (laughs) um, It's a really good question. Uh, I think there are times... It sounds like I'm I'm ducking out of this. There are times when it's appropriate and there's other times when it isn't. But... um, I think there are sometimes when you want to dwell on a truth. And, you know, I sometimes think, I, if I'm, one of the things I sometimes feel I'm guilty of, if the, my process for writing is, actually, if I'm writing, for example, with Keith, Keith tends to write melodies. We sometimes work on melodies a bit together, but he writes the melodies and then I write the words. And if there's anything that actually I kind of get wrong, I make them too stodgy 
And so words shouldn't be too much like poetry because poetry you want to dwell on. But there's no opportunity to stop in a song because it just keeps going, keeps going on in 4-4 to the next bar. And you don't have an opportunity to go, whoa, hang on, I want to think about that. So, you know, and of course you, you can get a depth into the song so that it bears repeated singing. But sometimes... You know, it, it, it can be too thick and stuff, so you need time. So sometimes repeating stuff actually helps you to get into a deeper understanding of it. Sometimes it can feel like it's just um, <laughs> trying to achieve a certain dynamic, you know. And I think we're possibly... On that. And I've, I've led worship in quite what we might call charismatic situations <clears throat> for many, many years. And you kind of learn, you know, you learn that there is a... And this is a whole other area. It's kind of interesting because some people would call this, you know, being led by the spirit. And some of us would call it, actually, I know if I build this verse up to this and get to the big chorus, then drop it. It's massive. (laughs) Now, which is it? Is that me manipulating or is that, you know, because actually there is an emotional response, you know, and and it's legitimate for this to be an emotional response. Because we are emotional beings. So it's, it's tricky. So, so, so I think sometimes we need to kind of not... I would say... I, what I do is I work with, with my band when I'm leading worship to say, I'm going to signal what we're going to do. So I would kind of resist going, well, they did it, they did it like this on the Bethel album. So that's how we're going to do it. Because it sounded amazing on the Bethel album. Actually, the same thing might not be working. Thing. So actually you go, no, where are we? Do we need to sing, sing that song again? Is there a sense that actually, no, 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 let's get hold of this. Is there a place where we need a bit of space? Yes. You see what I mean? Because I sometimes go and I hear, oh, that's exactly how they they did it on the album. And you go, but that might not suit where we're on on our particular journey. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so do that. One more quick question and then we're going to, oh, no more quick questions, sorry? Okay, well, I congr- <laughs> okay, so what is a congregation? Well, uh, at, the, at the risk of sounding simplistic, it's one that, that, generally people can sing, um, which means certain range you need to be aware of. Um, there is, a, I think some people say, I, I'm, I kind of am slightly resistant to this idea that you go, oh, well, we can't have any syncopation because, you know, certain, if you're a certain age in our congregation, you can't get it or something like that, you know. <laughs> or, you're of, you know, if you're a classical background, you won't be able to get the syncopation. I actually think the best songs actually naturally flow. And it's sometimes actually, and I do this sometimes when I'm writing, you think, Actually, if you follow the rhythm of how, if you said those words, even if it was syncopated, if it kind of fits, then actually people will get it. And that is a process of learning writing, isn't it? That you go, actually, they get it. And I've been to times when I thought, oh, that sounds really good. And I've done it and they've not got it at all. And I've tried to get it again and again and they've not got it because it's not really coming naturally. So, um, so there is that. So there's, so there's a degree of it being... Um, accessible enough without being really intricate and I think sometimes songs fall down because they are too intricate unnecessarily and actually it it just makes the song harder to sing and there's no need to do that Um, but uh, yeah so certainly within the range and certainly I often think if I've written a song I I think like the song we did on on uh, yesterday evening which you know finished the words in the morning because we've been kind of playing with it for ages and I wasn't going to do it and then I got up in the morning and I went I can hear people singing this you know, and you kind of imagine, you think that sound, you go, oh, that's going to work. And there's other times you go and you kind of think, oh, I sound good when I sing that. 
<laughs> but it's not going to work with lots of other people. So, yeah. So, it, it, I mean, I think you find it, and different congregations are slightly different as well. Different age groups are different. You know, you do a, a, something with a bunch of under 30s and they'll, they'll get it. But, uh, but also, I mean, I also think sometimes we, we and I think, gosh, you know, people go, oh, you know, uh, well, we can't do rocky music. Actually, rock music is the era of, the fi- of people in their 50s and 60s. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think many young people listen to rock music, but, you know, it's, it's us. It's middle-aged, <laughs> middle-aged folk who listen to the... I'm not in my 60s, by the way. <laughs> Actually, you're not probably in your 50s, are you? Nearly. Okay. Uh, one, one last question. Somebody had a hand up. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, that's a really good question. How do you go prayerfully into uh, leading worship when the pastor chooses the songs? My personal feeling is that actually uh, um, it's obviously a different thing if you are song leading, which is essentially what you're doing, than if you are worship leading, where you're actually choosing the songs and thinking of progression for yourself. I would like to think that at the very least it's something that, it, that you would over time perhaps be able to say, can we sit down together to do this and work? Because you understand the musical side of it and he or she might understand the, the kind of the, the theological side. I mean, I'm, I'm being slightly stereotyping because I'm sure you understand the theological side. But obviously he feels that he needs that kind of input. So, um, uh, I mean, you know, in a sense, I... I I, I can see that there are times when that's appropriate to do that with people, but I would always be thinking, no, actually, you want to get to a place where actually you are standing up in front of people needing them, and therefore you need a certain degree of autonomy, and, and you will have a certain understanding, which you will learn over time of how, what songs fit together, and will make that work. So um, at that point, you know, I think, even though at first, you know, I, in a sense I would think of it as like hand-holding, to actually, you, you know... People just starting out may need a little bit of support, but actually after a while, if you've got a little experience, actually then, then let them take over more of it. I realise that that may not be the way that your pastor sees it. Well, I don't actually worship No, I get that. It can be a frustrating experience. That, but I think it's, you know, I mean, there are different perspectives on it, and I think for some pastors they would say, no, actually, because they want to see that big, they are seeing that big picture, that actually there's teaching going on and stuff, that actually they still want to have that input or that kind of sense of overseeing that or controlling that um but at the same time you know obviously we're we're looking for for um people to grow in their ministry and i think part of growing in the ministry of music is actually learning how songs work together and taking people constructing it you kind of learn don't you you know you take them on a journey and i often think when i'm preparing the, the song list i think where will we be at the end of this song you know i try and resist that idea of let's do the six best songs that you know they sing best kind of go you know you need to be aware of what they know and what they don't know but actually where will it be at the end of this song what would be the thing that we'd want to say at the end of this song where is it taking us because most songs good songs should take us on a journey um where would we be what would we be focusing on so what would we sing next what would take us to you know having got to here where do we go next but um, okay we i'm sure we need to what time we do need to finish Shall I pray? Or do you, oh, okay, I'll pray. I'll pray. Um, okay, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to be here. And thank you for everybody who's involved in making uh, this event happen. Uh, thank you that you are here, that you are in it, that you are speaking. And I thank you for this time that we've been able to spend uh, this morning. And I pray that you will um, just help us, Lord. Show us what is our own individual path 
through this and where we need to go with it in terms of our own lives, but also if we have responsibility for leading or song, for song leading or worship leading or whatever, um, whatever term we want to use. I pray that you'll help us. Help us understand and, and bring us to that place where we do uh, have that kind of unity across the whole of our lives um, between what happens within church and outside of it. Help us to learn uh, to what that looks like and how to do that. Um, Lord, let there be songs that, that uh, help us to do that. Um, may there be more songs written. I pray for the writers who are here, just a couple of people put their hands up, that actually you will bring inspiration, that we will be writing things that actually help to serve that purpose of understanding. You are a good God, um, but you want to be involved and uh, want to see your perspective in every aspect of our lives even through the most difficult times. So help us in all that. And I pray a blessing on uh, each of the, the people here in the ministry that they're involved in. Thank you so much for your goodness. Amen. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it very much.